Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice. Hello, so welcome to this podcast, which is going to be about video consultations today. So there's been a lot of change in the NHS recently. And one of the things that GPs are being asked to pick up uh, is possibly around a new technique uh, of video consulting. And this is something that a lot of us are quite unfamiliar with. Um, But we have with us today Dr. Ramona Mascus, uh, who has been doing some video consulting for a while now, and she's kindly come and agreed to talk to us today and share some of her top tips uh, that she's learned. So um, welcome, Ramona. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for um, inviting me to talk about this. Um, And I hope I will be able to share some of my experience. Um, I must say from the beginning, it's quite limited, uh, but I'll do my best. Um, tonight. So how long have you been uh, doing video consultations for, Romaina? Um, well, you know, you said that a lot of us feel anxious and worried about this, especially now that we, we kind of we're forced to do it. But I think we all have some sort of experience. Um, you know, definitely we telephone um, appointments, telephone consultations. We've all been doing it at some point. Some practices already have been doing telephone triaging completely. Um, but indeed, some of us haven't a lot, um, so we do have to learn fast, um, and we won't have much time for for feedback. Um, but rest assured, I'm sure all of us will be able to do this fairly soon. And actually, uh, so, it's sorry. Um, and actually, it's got some advantages, hasn't it, over telephone consultations, which we have been doing, and that, and people have said to me, you know, that's like practicing uh, while while you're blind. Um, so uh, you've actually got the advantage of being able to see some things um, so it's not the same as having the patient in front of you but actually it does give you extra to a, to a telephone consultation. Exactly so it's better than a telephone consultation for, uh, for, from that point of view. Um, what I wanted to, um, to say that uh, what's different uh, about what we're going to do now with the, with the COVID pandemic is um, we're quite used to do telephone triage, but actually we're now doing telephone consultations, which are a bit different because we will not be able to bring many of the patients in um, and we will have to um, learn to manage the problem as safely as, as we can without seeing that patient. And that takes longer. Um, it's a proper consultation rather than just a quick, swift triage. Um, and you've been but, doing consultations like this now for a couple of years, is that right? That's right, yes. So along my, alongside my um, NHS work, I've been doing um, online consultations. Um, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say for what company, <laughs> but for a private company. Um, and um, I had some training from them when I started, and that was very, very useful. And then, obviously, um, the experience um, doing so many consultations, I think, on, I do on average, um, currently I'm doing an average of um, uh, 50 consultations a week, or probably wow. less than that. It, it varies. Um, so, yes, I've been more than happy to share some of my top tips. I was trying to make a list before um, our chat tonight, um, and I said I'm going to keep it to seven to make sure it's not too long. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> so my first top tip will be, um, we're doing this now. I was just saying that I haven't used Zoom before, um, so even this is something new. And the top tip for um, 
video consultations because I'm, not, I'm, I'm going to probably talk a bit more about that rather than telephone because yeah. I think we're more familiar with telephone. So with video, top tip number one will be you need to know your tech. You know, what are you using? Are you using your phone? Have you got a webcam? Are you using the cam that's in your, including your laptop? So, you know, make sure you check that. Make sure it works before you're doing the uh, consultation. Um, Check your background. Generally, it's best if you if you have enough light because otherwise, what's the point? The patient's not going to see you. And it's important to try to have that eye contact, which obviously is not going to be it's going to be your eye and the webcam contact. But if you look at the cam, it looks like you you're looking more uh, to the patient rather than if you look at the image or something else, right? Second tip is video consultations are definitely best for children because they will bring a lot more information. You can see that child, you know, even if they're lying on the sofa or if they're running around. Even, so, even when I was a registrar and I did, um, I did telephone consultations, uh, even then it's important to speak to the child if you can, if they're at the age that they can talk, even if you just say hello, how, how are you today? Um, you know, that kind of is, okay, that child is okay, talks to you. Um, and then, my uh, so after you cleared uh, the the tech, uh, my other tip would be another difference. I think this is for face to face as well, but history taking is even more important uh, because you're relying a lot on that. You won't have much examination, so you need to get really good and and rule out red flags swiftly and early on, and then can you take a fairly thorough history, um, and. The next step, my fourth tip is, yes, you can do some assessments, especially over the video, um, but even over the telephone. The best advice I had from my trainer in Cornwall where I did my um, VTS training was always try to visualize the patient. You know, imagine where are they? What are they doing? Um, obviously, with the video, it's easier. You can see the background. You can see how they look. Um, and you can even take virtual observations um you know lots of people have thermometers in the house you can check they can check their pulse for you either sometimes i ask them you know have a feel and count up count out loud for me or just doom 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 and i can count um some people have a blood pressure machine they can do that um it's hard to count the respiratory rates but generally if they can speak full sentences the respiratory rate is very likely to be less than 25, you know, so that's, again, reassuring. Mm. Um, and what I've learned today, something that I didn't know, and I'm going to use this, and I hope lots of us will, will be the Roth score to predict the um, oxygen saturation. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. Yeah, so, so the Roth score is, is uh, right up to the minute that it came out. And the RCGP said that they sort of liked it and had put some things out there. And then they, they seem to have backtracked slightly on it, I have to say. Um, and uh, and actually, the expert view is that um, it, it's, it was from one study, which was small, but a good study. Um, and so they've done a, um, the Oxford group have looked at this, uh, led by Tricia Greenhouse, and they've said that they've done a rapid survey now of 50 clinicians who regularly assess patients by phone. And, and they recommended not, in fact, using the Roth score, although it was OK. Mixed. So they actually said, ask the patient to describe their problem with their breathing in their own words and assess mm. the ease and comfort of their speech. Ask open-ended questions and listen to whether the patient can complete their sentences. So something like, how is your breathing today? 
And then uh, again, they've advised li- aligning with the NHS 111 symptom checker, which asks three questions, um, which again, haven't actually been assessed through formal research, but they say, are you so breathless that you are unable to speak more than a few words? Are you breathing harder or faster than usual when doing nothing at all? And are you so ill that you stop doing all of your usual daily activities? And they include sort of reading, getting out of bed at all, shaving, um, that kind of stuff. And then they've said, really, their other question they came back with, which isn't on NHS 111, is about change. Focus on change. A clear story of deterioration is more important than whether the patient currently feels short of breath. So ask questions like, is your breathing faster, slower or the same as normal? What could you do yesterday that you cannot do today? And what makes you breathless now that didn't make you breathless yesterday? And then they've said to try and interpret the breathlessness in the context of the wider history and physical signs. So a new audible wheeze, description of colour like blueness around the lips. Um, would obviously make you much more concerned. So that's that's how um, that's how they've come back. So the Roth score might help you, I guess, in that and may give you something that you can kind of measure. But I guess it's that classic thing of using the whole situation and a few more questions around it to help you in your assessment. Exactly, rather than just relying on one, um, you know, on one parameter. Thank you for that. I will look into it. I haven't started using it much yet because I've only heard um, about this today. So thank you for clarifying that. Um, okay. Um, yeah. Um, so, so you know, these will be the things that will be brought in as an extra or as a bonus via video consultation. Um, Obviously, what's going to be difficult is that, you know, the the people that probably will need this even more might not have access to to the technology, you know, elderly people without any family, or even if they do have family, they might have to be isolated and they might not have access to this. But young people, um, hopefully, will be quite easy to access this. I won't go into other details about, you know, how to, um, uh, there are lots of apps there, you can check your heart rate if you want, uh, or lots of people have Fitbits or, you know, um, or training watches, again, they can check their pulse with that. Um, another tip that I've learned in the job is that photos are actually better than any video <laughs> when it comes to skin lesions or, or injuries, and you can also take tonsil selfies. People are quite good at that. (laughs) And I think in view of the information we have received today about avoiding such close contact, like like avoiding examining people's throats, that might be quite handy. We can ask people, just go outside, take a photo of your throat, and I'll have a look. (laughs) Not exactly, but, you know, that's doable. It's doable. Um, And I think you're absolutely right. So that advice has come nationally from ENT UK that that we should not be doing throat examinations now because that's a high risk procedure. So as you say, something that's a practical alternative is is really helpful. So tonsil selfies. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, My number six uh, uh, tip is... Safety netting is going to be even more important than face-to-face. Um, and ideally, if we can, uh, we should follow that with some written information. And I know a lot of the GPs use Accurex. We can send that information briefly through a text message. And, and also, I tend to attach some links, some useful links. You know, this is where you find more information about what to do. 
Um, um, and, and also, you know, like when to seek help, basically, because we need to be aware of our limitations of our assessment and we need to make the patients aware of them um, as well. Uh, yes, and my last point, um, I hope we didn't pass the 10 minutes, but my last point is that, you know, ultimately we living unprecedented times you know we've never been through this before none of us none of even the previous generations so ultimately we need to accept that we will be doing our best in these exceptional circumstances and you know doing your best is better than doing nothing at all yeah absolutely and i think it's it's a new time for us all but um but they did show that uh in the um australian bushfires they switched apparently to video consultation um there isn't much research out there about it but apparently during that situation they did switch and and it did work um so i i think we can we're very we're a really bright group of people and we're very adaptive as a workforce so um and actually we've been doing telephone which is hard in many ways so so actually in some ways we're, we're making our lives a little bit easier it's just as, as we said at the beginning that we haven't got that default uh, method that we were all trained in which is face-to-face -face assessment so um, so that's really helpful um, another couple of things that um, I I'd sort of uh, heard about was um, taking another method of contacting the patient um, I don't know whether you guys do this, I guess not in your uh, line of work, but um, securing with them a phone number that you could call them back on uh, if the video fails. Um, definitely. Yeah, we do have access to that uh, automatically. But yes, that's definitely um, a good point. But I guess in our NHS work, we would as well through, yeah. you know, we would have their contact details. Um, and yes, one more thing that we tend to do, but a, Again, and probably we should do this more in the NHS as well, is always check identity, you know, because yeah. you don't know exactly who you're talking to. Um, so who else is in the room as well? I've heard that's another thing, because again, where the screen is, you might not know that there's a person just sitting to the side of them. Um, exactly, yeah. Quite reassuring for the patients just to know that, that you're on your own and just check. Um, with them as well um, and say just very briefly at the beginning that if, if the video fails then then you'll contact them back on the phone um, yes. and uh, what else was I going to say um, and then uh, the other thing that someone else made a point about was um, noting that this was a video consultation um, because I'm not sure that EMIS has the ability to, to choose that as a, a method yet and no. again, as things move on in time, you, you might not, in down three, four years time, you might not remember uh, that this is the method that you were using. So um, so making a note of that in your notes um, very briefly is, is helpful and may explain why you do or don't do certain things in your uh, examination. <laughs> That's right. Um, I think some of the practices have found a way of um, uh, read coding the consultations of video consultation. Mm. Uh, but yes, that's a very important uh, point. So um, thank you, Romain. That's been really helpful. I think some of the takeaways that I thought about are remembering to ask what the patient has 
um, actually, again, you'll just see them on the screen, but they might have a blood pressure monitor or thermometer there and they could do it. And if they're elderly, again, actually, they might have somebody in the house with them who could help them do those things. Um, and the apps is also quite um, useful because lots of, if, especially if it's a younger patient, they'll be able to download an app quite easily on their phone. Um, and again, if they're accessing video technology, they probably have got a smartphone to be able to do it and they're probably fairly tech savvy. Um, so that's helpful. Um, and, and I also think you're really uh, wise to think about Accurix and safety netting uh, in, with written uh, follow up. Um, so those are all really, really good tips. Um, so and, and I think we talked earlier about uh, the fact that you can get people to like alter their clothing as well when you're looking at them. So they're breathing and things like that. Yes, right. Uh, yeah, especially with children, um, you know, as I said, it, it's, you know, as, although it's difficult to counterrate reliably, you can, you know, you can see if there's significant in the course of loss of costal recession or tracheal tug. Um, you can, um, so, you know, some parents sometimes are not, they're not sure, like, is this a blanching rush or non-blanching? You can talk to them, you know, you, they can bring the glass and, and show it to you or you can teach them how to do it. Um, so again, that, that's quite helpful. So think beyond. Think of things that are just outside, uh, um, outside of your sight of what you can see on the screen. They're in their homes. They've actually got lots there potentially that can help you assess them. That's really exactly. Good. And and I think even through through the web, we through, through the video still increases. You know that fifth sense we have as clinicians. You know you can sense when someone is unwell in real life. You know in face to face, but with a video that it makes it um it makes it more likely than with the phone you know to to access that fifth sense like well this person looks unwell or uh, okay. doesn't look too bad <laughs> brilliant well thank you so much for your time i think that's really helpful and reassuring for a lot of us that are just about to embark on video consultations um so thank you ever so much for joining us today <laughs> That's um, that's been my pleasure, Laura. Um, and um, if you, if people are interested to have more training, I know there's a law going online on my Facebook group that I've been checking our GP Facebook groups. Uh, but the company that I'm working for, actually, I just noticed on one of the Facebook groups that they're offering a free online training webinar for um, video consultations. Um, so if people are interested, I um, I can send you the link um, basically. Okay, that's lovely. And also, I think NHS Digital have done a webinar as well on video consultations, which is looking at the, the process of bringing them into the practice. There's lots of stuff out there and the LMC will um, happily uh, share that knowledge. Thank you so much, Ramona. That's all right. Lovely to speak to you, Laura, and have a good evening. Thank you. Wessex LMCs, supporting you and your practice.